Amen. So, we've arrived at uh, 1 John chapter 5. Um, so, um, as Fiona just said, we're, uh, what, we're doing this staggered with Trinity, so they're uh, a week ahead of us, so I got to practice on them, so you're getting the, the real deal today. <laughs> I told them that last week as well. <laughs> um, so, uh, these are my um, PowerPoint slides from last week, and because I was preaching to a load of people that didn't know me at all, I stuck in a picture of uh, myself, because Duncan did it when he came here, and I thought it'd be nice to do it in reverse. Um, you, all pretty, you probably all know me anyway, but uh, this is us on our summer holiday, um, so... Isn't that nice? Uh, That was in France. Um, So, um, let's read uh, 1 John chapter 5. Uh, The words will come up uh, on the screen, but feel free to follow in in your Bible if you've got one. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by the water and the blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God shall give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who is born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, And we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Okay. 
So, I don't know about you um, in your Bible, but um, the thing that I've got here, um, I've copied, copied it out, um, I've got three headings. So, there are basically three sections uh, to uh, this passage. Uh, you've got at the beginning, uh, verses 1 to 5, um, the section about overcoming the world. That's the heading I've got over that bit in my Bible. Um, then there's the bit about testimony. Um, mine says testimony concerning the Son of God. And then the last bit, which is 13 to the end, um, this is kind of John summing up uh, for uh, the people that are reading this letter the kind of key takeaway things he wants them to take away from uh, reading uh, this letter. So I think it's already been commented that um, the way that this letter is structured is it's not so much uh, a kind of linear structure of, you know, you start with one thing and then you build on it to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. John keeps coming round to similar kind of themes and every time he goes round, there's a new kind of layer of understanding that he's giving us. Um, So I'm going to start, not at the beginning, I'm going to start in the middle um, just because it's the bit that grabs me and I think um, it's... Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite interesting. You can spend quite a lot of time on this passage. There's a lot in it. Um, we are not going to be able to do it justice in the time that we have here. But I'm going to take something out of each section uh, that I've just put up on the screen there. So section two, this test me bit. I, I don't know about you, but I find it it's a little bit strange, isn't it? This kind of whole thing he's talking about, the spirit and the water and the blood. Um, It's not how most of us talk. Um, But the way that I understand this um, is uh, that this is all about uh, testimony about Jesus. And he's kind of summing up um, the key things that happen. Uh, So uh, the water is about the baptism of Jesus at the beginning of his life. Um, The spirit testifies there. And the blood is obviously the cross at the end. Um, And uh, he talks... Uh, about the Spirit being the one who testifies throughout this. Uh, and that comes through in the Gospel of John as well, about, it's a lot about um, the testimony. And that's because testimony is really important. Your story really matters. And stories can be incredibly powerful. I think it's even more the case when there's shared experience where you can say, oh yeah, that happened to me too. So if we were to go around this room, there'd be loads of us that can share how God has touched our lives and how God has changed us. Um, John uses this phrase, uh, being born of God, being born again. Um, That's the thing about when God changes your life. It's a complete transformation. It's like a whole new life. So my own testimony, uh, which... um, most of you probably know a bit of, but um, I, was, uh, I was eight when God did, did this for me and just showed me the reality uh, of who he was. And um, I just knew that I knew that I knew that God was real and that um, he died for me and that he loved me. And I remember uh, going and telling my parents very excitedly that, about this and uh, so I, I got baptised, uh, actually, in Worthing, um, and in the sea. It was very cold, <laughs> um, but it's, uh, 
yeah, I, it's a, a wonderful uh, memory I have of just knowing, knowing God um, for that first time. And uh, as I've gone on from that, I've just realised more and more about how this truth touches and affects everything. This idea that your life is not your own anymore, um, that you want to use it uh, to love God and to love other people. In half term, uh, we met a friend uh, who um, uh, who'd introduced us to somebody who uh, t- shared with me a bit of his story uh, and, and his testimony. And I want to share it with you now, just because I, th- I think this is quite extraordinary, really. He um, grew up, uh, his parents were classical musicians, and he would travel all around uh, the UK and actually around Europe as well. And it wasn't a Christian orchestra. Uh, they would go to um, places, uh, going to give concerts, uh, but most of the people in the orchestra were Christians, including the conductor, and they would play music. Um, I'm not so into this world, so the only thing that I could think of is Handel's Messiah, but apparently there's a lot out there that is Christian uh, classical music. And they would play this music, and really, really often they would just experience the Holy Spirit falling on that. And uh, they went to a place uh, in Austria and um, did a, like, it was a free concert. They just said, come, come and hear our concert. It was a big kind of festival. Um, and uh, it was a completely still day. And they, this concert hall that they were in was just, there was this wind and this, uh, the choir, because they, they sang, and uh, the orchestra played something that just wasn't on the programme. There was a, a new song, a new thing happening in that moment, and just everybody in the concert hall was just in tears because the Holy Spirit was just so powerfully present. I, want to, I wanted to share with you that story, not only because it's amazing, an amazing story, because it illustrates this point that John is making here. If the testimony of man is amazing and you just connect with it, how much more is the testimony of the Holy Spirit about Jesus Christ? The Holy Spirit testifies to us. He testifies to other people. He tells us the truth about Jesus, the whole truth, from the beginning to the end. That's what the Spirit and the water and the blood is about. So, from this bit about testimony, he then goes on to sum up his letter. And he tells them five things that he wants them to know. Five takeaway key points I want you to know from all of this stuff that I've written. What want you to take away from this? Number one, you have eternal life. Number two, you can be confident that you're heard by God when you ask for things. Number three, Jesus protects you and makes it possible for you to live a changed life. Number four, we are from God. This is a really, really dense phrase that he attaches a lot of meaning to. We're not going to go into that today, but it's, you can kind of get the gist of this idea of being in God, from God. Um, number five, Jesus gives us understanding of truth. These things, these five truths are not complicated it's not rocket science. You, could, you can get this as an eight-year-old. 
But like I said, these are truths that you can go on exploring, go on understanding at a deeper level through your whole life. John uses love and light a lot in his uh, letter. He uses them in his gospel as well, like at the very start of the gospel of John. Uh, quite famously, uh, is about uh, the light coming into the darkness. So there's, he likes to use contrast here. Um, so I thought about this, and I thought, actually, this could be quite helpful to do with these five key takeaway points. And this is, um, this is negative, because these are, these are all statements that are positive, but it can help us to understand the positive if we think about the opposite as well. Um, so, I've got these, these will be uh, in grey on the right-hand side of the slide. Hopefully you can see them. Okay, I didn't want to put them full-on white because this, these are not things that are true. Um, but what's the opposite of knowing that you have eternal life, this idea that your life is temporary? What's the opposite of being confident in God when we pray this I, it's, Kind of this idea that you just nobody hears, you're just talking to yourself. Number three, uh, this opposite of Jesus protecting you, having this thought that you're on your own and just ever becoming better, that's just wishful thinking. Opposite of we are from God, you're not special. And number five, there isn't any truth. I wonder if you recognise any of those any of those attack lines have you ever thought any of those things I can say yes (laughs) full house (laughs) maybe some of you have had those thoughts even before coming to this place this morning and I have to do battle with this kind of thing all the time but John wants us to really really know what is truly true, so we can overcome these lies on the right-hand side. And that's what the beginning bit that he starts chapter 5 is about, overcoming the world. So John defines the world in a really specific kind of way. Um, So you can find this if you read back uh, in his letter. Uh, You can find it in his gospel as well. Just looking at the letter of 1 John, uh, in uh, chapter 2, verse 17, he he talks about uh, the world being associated with the desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. And kind of being attached, having that attachment to those temporary things. He says, the world is passing away along with its desires. And then in chapter 4, he talks about the spirit of the Antichrist being in the world. That's in chapter 4, verse 3. And he, he, he defines the spirit of the Antichrist as every spirit that does not confess Jesus. So these opposites are what John is calling Antichrist thinking. And this is what he's getting at when he's talking about overcoming the world. So I was, as I was prepping this, I was asking God, what do you want to say about all of this stuff? And then something I noticed as John writes this in this summary about these, 
no statements. I want you to know that most of them are phrased as we know that. So there's a togetherness to knowing the truth. And there's an isolation to all of the lies on this side in grey. And we can think about truth versus lies like a battle, like a fight between ideas. Even some, on some days, they might feel like a fight between ideas that can look quite evenly matched. But it's not that. The overcoming has already been accomplished. And the victory is already won by Jesus. So you overcome the world, as, as John calls it. You overcome these lies by sticking close to the truth. By sticking close to Jesus. And there's a togetherness as opposed, there, as opposed to a million different ways of ending up alone, believing one or more of these lies. So truth versus lies is not a battle, it's a following. Just amazing earlier, wasn't it? What, um, just in the worship, how this stuff about darkness, what Nick was bringing, about that fear in the void, staring into space. There is a closeness that Jesus wants to have with us that comes from knowing the truth, a togetherness. And what John is keen for the people that are reading this to get hold of is that he wants them to develop their following instinct. And you develop that by uh, listening to what Jesus tells us. That's why he talks about the commandments in the first section um, and what the Father and what the Spirit says about Jesus. That's the, the testimony bit that we started with in the second section. So the best illustration I can share with you, or the best illustration I could come up with before Nick came up to the microphone and shared his brilliant one about space, um, one from my life to kind of illustrate the same point, um, is this picture here. You can hardly see this picture. Um, it's pretty dark. This is a picture from inside a cave. Uh, it's a cave called Swildon's Hole. It's a cave in the Mendip Hills. Uh, when I, Helen and I met in Bristol, and uh, when I moved to Bristol, there was somebody uh, who was uh, in the cave club that, was, uh, that met there and uh, said to me, why don't you come along? And I thought, hmm, don't know about that. But um, I'll give it a go, because when you move to a new place, it's fun to try something new. And I'd uh, been in Oxford before that. There aren't any caves anywhere near Oxford, so... Uh, well, not that I know of, there might be, but... Um, there's this whole n network all south of Bristol in these Mendip Hills. Um, and the guys I went along with, they are... Oh, they were the, um, the people that the police would call if there's a cave rescue call. So I was like, I, I feel quite safe with you guys. You kind of... You really know what you're doing. Um, and... Uh, so I went along the first week and was like, oh, I don't know. And then the next week, I thought, I'll go again because they were going to this really beautiful one. I was like, I really want to see that. And then the third week, we went to Swildon's Hole. Swildon's Hole is, was my first experience of a wet cave. You get wet caves, dry caves. Wet caves, this is basically like a flume. And the closest thing you can get as 
a student as I was at that time or an adult to going and playing in the flumes in a swimming pool as a kid. You basically just have all of these waterfalls and pools that it, the, the stream kind of cascades down and you have to basically climb through all of this. And uh, what this guy in this picture here is doing, and he's, he's climbing up uh, this waterfall, uh, but he's climbing up the side to avoid the pressure of the water against him. Why am I telling you all of this? Is <laughs> because when you go caving, you have to stick close and you have to listen to the people who know what they're talking about. Because not doing that and going off on your own when you're down a cave is really stupid, <laughs> just to put it bluntly. So that's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to stick close to him. He wants us to know the truth so that we can overcome the lies. I want to finish uh, with this verse uh, from the Gospel of John. And it's about this togetherness and aloneness. It's about peace and about tribulation. And it's about the fact that Jesus has overcome the world. So this is John Uh, 16.32 and it says this the hour is coming this is Jesus speaking to his disciples Uh, so this is kind of right before they go to the garden the bit that um, Helen brought before communion he's explaining to his disciples what he's going to go through he says the hour is coming when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we live in the benefit of what came after this. So the disciples were scattered. They did go... Uh, each to their own home as Jesus went to the cross alone. But the cross is not the end alone that evil thought it would be, but the start of a bringing together of people from all over the world who hear Jesus' call to follow him and to walk in it. Because Jesus was not alone, the Father as, as Helen shared earlier, the, he, was, um, he was going with the will of his father. So when you're with Jesus, there is no dark place, no hole in the ground, no rocket that can take you high enough to a dark place that cannot be filled with joy. Because Jesus has overcome every lie, every temptation, every way that we could ever be isolated. And he's brought us together into light and life and freedom together. So um, just as, um, if you guys could uh, come up and just um, lead us in a final song. I want to pray for us all that we would know this truth. And I've got an application for this as a kind of takeaway. So I'm just, going to, I'm just going to pray first. Lord, I just want to thank you 
that with you we are never alone wherever we are. Lord, thank you that we can hear your voice, that you are the good shepherd who leads your sheep, who leads your people. Thank you for your love for us that is so rich and deep. And we want to be close to you in the truth. And, Lord Jesus, I just want to pray that any of the lies, any of those five on the right-hand side of that slide, or any other lies that have taken hold in the minds or the hearts of anyone in this room, I want to pray that we'll be able to identify those and know the truth that you bring and the life that you bring from walking close to you. Amen. So, just to apply this, on a, um, this week, um, I want to challenge you. I, I said earlier, I've had a full house on the right-hand side of those grey bullet points. If you can identify a lie that you find it easy to land on you, basically, it can be so, so helpful to understand that. And then you can do something about it. So I was sharing uh, with some friends of mine um, from uh, Bristol days, actually. We met up a few weeks ago. I was talking about this. And uh, my mate Pete, who is a doctor, uh, said, have you ever come across the concept of a spiritual first aid kit? And the things that he has in his spiritual first aid kit are things like testimonies, like songs, like verses of the Bible... And this isn't just a collection of things that are your favourite songs or your favourite verses. This is a very deliberate thing where you recognise where something lands easily on you. And then you deliberately go out there to find and to seek out the truth. What does the Bible actually say about this? What do other people's testimonies actually say about this? How can I speak truth to myself for that lie? How can I be together in Christ rather than alone believing a lie that will like, try to isolate me? I thought it was so helpful. So that's my challenge to you this week. Have a think. Um, see if you can apply that uh, for yourself. Um, and we're going to sing now and I'm going to chat to Fia about what we do next. <laughs>